What's the secret to your hair, Dr. Lisa? I get that question so much. And what I have changed recently is using my Nourish Collagen Peptides from the Nourish Balance Thrive line. As you know, before I ever put my name on anything, I test it out for months. And so therefore, I have been using this product for a long time before it ever became available to you guys. Why am I loving this product so much more than any other ones that I've ever used? A, this is grass-fed collagen. So if you are dealing with post-COVID hair loss, if you are dealing with a Hashimoto's diagnosis or a hypo or just low thyroid diagnosis and you're losing your hair, or maybe you're noticing your hair just isn't as thick as it used to be when you were in your 20s, right? There's so many of us noticing that. You might want to add some collagen into your routine. And the Nourish Collagen Peptides is from grass-fed cows, so you're going to love that. You're not going to get all the nasty hormones or whatever else that might be in conventional products. I am always looking for the cleanest source available. What else? If you're looking in the mirror and you're noticing those laugh lines, or if you can pinch your skin and it doesn't like rebound back as fast as it used to, that means the elasticity of your skin just isn't there and we want to rebuild it, nourish it so it can thrive, right? So the Nourish Collagen Peptides will do just that. And obviously as a chiropractor, I love this because it is good for your joint health as well. So Nourish Collagen Peptides has type 1 and type 3 collagen peptides in it, which are great for, like I said, hair, skin, and nails. So if you are dealing with laugh lines or thinning hair or creaky joints, you're going to want to grab a container of the Nourish Collagen Peptides. You can mix it into your smoothies, into your coffee. You can mix it into like your brownies if you're eating that drlisao.com, click the shop link or click the link below. So do you have any idea how addictive sugar is? To be real, that stuff is super addictive. And it's really, that's probably the reason why it's so hard to kick the habit. So take a listen. I am interviewing JJ Virgin. You might know her from the JJ Virgin Sugar Impact Diet. You might know her from some of her other books. I'm sure as soon as you start listening to the podcast, you're going to recognize her voice. But again, this is coming back from the Keto Virtual Summit. We're going to talk about the science. Believe it or not, what happens to your brain when you eat sugar and what's going on and why it is so hard to kick this habit. But the great thing is that she's going to give you tidbits of information on how to do it. So take a listen. Again, it was such an honor to be able to interview her for the Keto Virtual Summit. And I am just loving the fact that I can bring this to you now also in the Healthy Vibrant You podcast. Hey there, Rockstar. I'm Dr. Lisa Olszewski. I'm so glad you're here. I know you've been struggling for a while trying to figure out why things just aren't changing. I've been there. I get you. I see you. I know how hard you're trying. I'm here to let you know that there's light at the end of the tunnel, and I'm here to teach you the simple steps to becoming that healthy, vibrant you. Are you ready? Let's do this. Well, hello, everybody. I'm Dr. Lisa Olszewski. I'm the founder of the American Institute of Healthy Living, and I have an amazing guest with us today. Um, You probably know her from different TV appearances, but she's definitely a celebrity nutrition expert. Um, She has been featured uh, as one of the co-hosts of TLC's Freaky Eats. Um, She's also the health expert for Dr. Phil, has had appearances on PBS, on the Dr. Oz Show, from Rachel Ray, the Today Show, along with Access Hollywood. So our guest today is, I'm so honored to have you here, is JJ Virgin. Um, She's written four New York Times bestselling books. 
um, books, including cookbooks as well. You'll know her from the Virgin Diet along with the JJ Virgin Sugar Impact Diet. So thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, my pleasure. All right. So say your last name slowly. Olszewski. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so we're doing this Keto 101 Summit, and I'm so honored to have you as a part of it. So I know you have seen um, just the healthcare in America where everybody is addicted to this thing called sugar, but they don't realize they're addicted, right? So mm -hmm. um, I don't think they even realize how often they're consuming sugar. So tell me some of the places that people don't even realize they're eating sugar on a daily basis. I'm going to steal a line that I love that Dr. Mark Hyman used on one of my podcasts that where he said sugar is our number one recreational drug of choice. And you're right, Lisa, it's like sneaking into places and you think you're eating, you know, you're not eating sugar. You don't realize that these dressings and sauces and spices, like they're getting spiked with sugar because you can't, when you have a little bit of sugar, you know what you want. Right. More, more, more. Yeah, it's absolutely frightening. And when I wrote The Virgin Diet, the biggest question I got asked about was sugar. And it seemed like people either were confused. They were like, but this thing has no calories. It's okay, right? And they were talking about blast, like Splenda or one of these horrific things. Or they go, listen, it's all natural. It's honey. It'll be fine, you know? Or they just said, listen, I can't give up the sugar. I can give up everything else, but not the sugar. I'm like, well, the most important thing to give up is the sugar. <laughs> so, right. Yes. Let's go a little bit about that because so often I think there's this, this connotation out there where people are like, well, it's sugar-free. It's got to be good for yeah. me, right? Oh, boy. So yes. let's talk about those sweeteners. You know, when that whole thing shifted, and I remember it, um, when Susan Powder, do you remember Susan Powder? I don't. <laughs> okay, stop the insanity. She was the gal who was like, everything was to get the sugar out. It happened when Bruce Ames went and read the cholesterol studies wrong, said fat was the villain causing heart disease, discredited John Yudkin, who was this brilliant, way before his time researcher, nutritionist out of the UK, who was like, sugar is the root of all diseases. Like he just, and he couldn't explain the mechanisms, but he knew it to be true, but he got completely slammed. And when this all happened, fat got nominated as the villain of creating all of these health problems. And so all the manufacturers started pulling fat out of foods. But, you know, if you pull fat out, you got to put something in. So the first thing they did, they did two different things. One was just to start putting sugar in. And then the other one was to put artificial sweeteners in. And when you think about artificial sweeteners, they were created so that diabetics could have their sweet and the challenge is the very reason we created them, they actually cr can create that problem is what we now know, because what happens when you do artificial sweeteners is they actually change the gut microbiome so that it's more glucose intolerant because in, 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 it didn't make sense at first, you know, they were saying, all right, someone's doing artificial sweeteners, yet the, the Coke study showed that people who drank a regular soda a day had it versus a diet soda. The people who drank the diet soda had an inch bigger waist circumference. And they thought, well, they're having the Diet Coke and eating the pizza, you know, right? They thought this is not causative. Um, but then they started to look at, well, why would this be? Because they started to see more insulin resistance with people who were drinking sodas. And it was sure enough, this change in the gut microbiome, which is crazy because the study showed that this happened in a week. Wow. 
a week. I know like insane that you could shift your gut microbiome in one week to be more glucose intolerant, which means you're going to pump out more insulin, which is going to lead to insulin resistance, you know, lead to fat storing around the belly, lead to diabetes, pre-diabetes. I mean, just out of something that seems like it's innocuous and safe to eat because it doesn't have any calories. Right. Right. Yeah. No, and it is. And such, um, so many people are so just swayed the wrong way with all of this. So thank you for bringing up all of that information with that. But how about, you know, people will say, well, what about fruit sugars? Or what about, like you had said, honey, or it's natural, it's molasses. It's, you know, and they, mm -hmm. they so let's talk about those sugars as well. Those sugars. <laughs> so, you know, fruit, eating a piece of fruit with the fiber, hey, that's great. Unwrapping the fruit and making it into a juice Apple juice has more fructose in it than, than a Coke does because apples are higher in fructose than, um, and, than any other fruit. Drying a fruit turns it into candy. Concentrating fruit juice turns it into syrup. So the challenge is that it's, it's not the sugar in fruit that's the problem. It's taking the sugar out of the fruit by juicing it, drying it, you know, concentrating it that creates the problem, gives us the big hit. When you think back, you know, a couple thousand years ago, we never would have had little bears full of honey that were squeezing on things. We would have found a, you know, found a beehive, been able to get some honey, maybe, and that would have been it. But now we have ready access to these concentrated sugars that we never would have had been able to get. And it's in fact, if you look back in the 1900s where the obesity rate was less than 1%. I think it was 0.5%. Our um, sugar intake per person per year was five pounds. That's crazy. Now, our obesity rate just went further than our being overweight rate. So we're about 70% overweight or obese, but we're now more obese than overweight. And the average intake is over 150 pounds per person. It's the one thing we know that's, you know, those things correlate perfectly, but it is because it's added into things, it's concentrated, and we've taken it out of how nature intended us for, for us to have it. That's exactly right. That's absolutely right. How would you say um, to help give people baby steps or simple steps to get this out of their diet? And I love that because here's where I think the big problem is. And when I wrote The Sugar Impact Diet, I really felt like we've been looking at sugar all wrong. Um, I think the glycemic index, while it was a good start, almost created as many problems as it solved because it looks at your blood sugar response to a 50 gram dose of a food, which isn't how we eat. You know, someone doesn't sit down and go, I'm gonna have 50 grams of carrots, right? <laughs> And so the problem is we don't eat one food in isolation. We don't necessarily eat that amount. 50 grams of a potato is pretty reasonable. 50 grams of carrots, celery, broccoli, not reasonable. They wouldn't eat that much. So there's that piece of it. But it also didn't look at the insulin response, which is super important. And it also didn't look at fructose because fructose doesn't raise blood sugar. So we really needed to look at sugar totally differently. We need to look at what happens to your blood sugar, your insulin, how much fructose is in the food to really start to understand what we should be eating and how much we should be avoiding, right? Now, I don't remember, like I got off on that tangent. And what was the question, Lisa? That well, I started simple incorporating steps, you know, and it's one oh, of the, oh, oh. so Thank many you. people and 
this is my thing that really frustrates me. And they're like, everything mm -hmm. in moderation. I'm like, well, not really. That's what? ridiculous. First yeah. of all, would you say that about mercury, arsenic, lead? Exactly. Caffeine? That's I mean, exactly that, that, what I say. Because honestly, sugar is like the most toxic thing that we're doing to ourselves on a regular basis is sugar. So everything in moderation is a ridiculous thing. If you knew that something, if you were celiac, is gluten okay in moderation? Exactly. Or an alcoholic, is alcohol okay yeah, in moderation? I mean, right. I, no, I, I, Ah, that drives me nuts too. makes me think. I was actually on a on a nutrition panel in at the Pennsylvania Women's Conference, and uh, I was moderating this weight loss panel. I was, and so I had to ask parting thoughts for all the guests. And one was this PhD nutritionist who was on the Today Show all the time, and she said, "My parting thoughts are, it's everything in moderation." And I thought. I couldn't let her have it, Lisa. I was like, I was like, you know, and I'm the moderator. I'm not supposed to comment, but I'm like, I, can't, I can't let that one lie because this is what hurts everybody. Um, so one of the big things I saw when I started to look at this, because when I wrote the book was I really looked and went, we've got our framework wrong. We've got to go beyond the glycemic index. But I also went and I looked, why are we still struggling so much? So I went in and I started reading all the Amazon bad reviews about sugar books. And it was what I suspected. Most of these books tell you to quit cold turkey. And unless you could go into, say, Betty Ford for a month, this is not going to work because it's a drug and you'll have withdrawals. Mm -hmm. And unlike other drugs, you can't live without food. See, you can live without alcohol, cocaine, meth, whatever else you're addicted to. So you could put, but you can't live without food. So you've got a problem now, right? Right. So, I went, you know, we really first have to become super aware of where all the sugar is sneaking into our food and to recognize that two pieces of wheat bread have more of a sugar impact than actually a couple, you know, sugar cubes, a couple tablespoons of sugar do, that marinara sauce can be loaded with sugar, can have more sugar than some Oreo cookies. So you have to really start to realize where all the sugar is sneaking in. That is very, that's step one. You've got to know where it's coming from and also understand what it's doing to you. Is it making you tired, have brain fog, be bloated, gain belly fat, you know, have your joints ache. So you've got to know where it's coming from and understand the impact it's having on you. And then you start to taper it down. You don't go cold turkey, you don't quit overnight because that just sets you up to fail. You say, all right, I'm going to take some of these higher sugar impact foods that I've been eating and, you know, I will start to lower them down to medium sugar impact foods, simple steps, simple little swaps. And then once you've done that and you really start to focus on food quality, on eating, you know, closer to nature and making sure each meal has some protein, fat and fiber. So you got good blood sugar balance, which is key to kicking the sugar habit. Then you can start lowering it some more. But it's just like someone deciding to go into keto. That should be a tapering to get to that point. Like, you know, you, you want to help someone transition into from being a sugar burner to a fat burner, but that doesn't happen overnight. And that period of time where it's not happening will send someone racing towards the cookies mm -hmm. if you don't do this correctly. Right. And that's where we love, and I do this in my practice, is teaching people small, sustainable steps because those are the mm -hmm. steps that are actually going to, they're going to live with it yeah. the rest of their life. Because unfortunately, yeah. and, and I know you see it too, where people look at things as a diet and they're going to do it for six weeks and then quit and they don't realize it's an actual lifestyle. So yeah. you touched on this with sugar burning versus being a fat burner. So what are some of the, um, you know, explain that for our audience as well. Yeah. Hey, here's the simplest way to tell because, 
you know, if you think about it, you want to be a fat burner, not a sugar burner. You don't want to be always burning off the cookies you just ate. And the minute that they're gone, you need more. You want to be able to access stored fat for fuel. You want to be burning off the belly fat, not, you know, burning off the cookies. So the way that you can tell if you are a fat burner is the ability to go four to six hours between meals and the ability to burn off belly fat. If you're losing weight, but you're not losing your waist, I always call it the potato on stilts, the shrinking potato on stilts. <laughs> you know, your, your weights drop 10 pounds, but your waist hasn't moved at all. You are a sugar burner, not a fat burner. If you have to eat every two to three hours, you are a sugar burner, not a fat burner. Those are the easiest ways to tell. And again, that shift can happen quickly, but it doesn't happen overnight. And the first thing really is just to focus on having good blood sugar balance to start with. And that really is all about your macronutrient composition of your meal. And again, that's protein, fat, and fiber. That's like the game changer, right? I mean, it's the game changer for feeling good. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, can you share some success stories with me? Like, I'm sure you've got all sorts of readers that have um, given you feedback. And I know you work with a lot of people too. Yes. You know, it's interesting. I had one woman and what's what's crazy about um, blood sugar, because we were just talking about that, is it's just slightly elevated blood sugar, say 90, which they're still saying is normal, five times the risk of dementia. I mean, that's frightening. We're doing everything we can to live longer, but I don't think you want to live longer without your brain. Right. Right. You know, so I had one gal who told me, she goes, I thought I had early dementia and I, she didn't want to tell anyone. She goes, but, you know, I'd walk into the bedroom and go, why am I here? And, you know, those ones I'd forget to turn the stove off. She goes, I was like inside, I was freaking out. And she went on the sugar impact diet and three weeks all gone. So, you know, I think so often we go on programs because we want to lose the belly fat. We want to lose a little weight. But I think what I see with most people is the reason that they stay is they go, I had no idea what feeling good really felt like, you know, what the energy is like, getting rid of the brain fog, having a stable mood, what those things can do for you are dramatic. I had another gal who'd been trying to kick sugar for years. She was a PE teacher. And so she would try it, she'd take it out altogether, and then she'd be out on the court with her students, right, on the basketball court, and she'd go, and then I'd go racing over to the Coke machine, because <laughs> she didn't do the transition, right? So you really have to test first, figure out where you're at, and then you need to taper, and then you can go through that transition, and then you don't need to go to the Coke machine. She, within three weeks, because we tapered and then did the transition, she was totally fine and able to go hours without needing to eat and didn't have to rely on the next hit of sugar to get her energy. And that's what's really important, because we've got to look, look at all these things. Like I look at weight, and I look at brain fog, I look at all of these things as just symptoms our body is telling us, so we'll, we'll have some measurement as to know what's working, what's not. You know, we get so emotionally involved in the scale, but we've got to like put our Dr. Spock brain on with it and go, all right, what's it telling me here? What's it telling me if I lost weight, but my body fat didn't go down? <laughs> you know, <laughs> what's it telling me? Like if I'm just losing muscle, what's really going on here? Or my waist isn't going down and what do I need to shift? You know, all of this information is critical for you to know what to do. But here's what I think is super cool. And this I hear from so many people. And I had one um, guy in particular who was in the food business 
And when I met him, he said, you know, I'd love to do your program, but I don't know what I would eat. And I thought, well, that's very interesting. You own a seafood company. Like, what are you talking about? But he had to, because he was in the food business, go to all of these big food shows. And one of them was being put on by a very famous cheesecake company. You can probably figure out which one it was. The one that's got the big stores all over the country um, and serves the like troughs of food. And he goes, you know, I, he sent me a picture of him standing around all these cheesecakes, like every flavor imaginable. And I'm thinking, oh, this is him sending me a picture to say, sorry, you know. But the, what he sent me in the next text was, this doesn't even tempt me anymore. I don't even like sugar. It doesn't even taste good. And that's what happens when you go through and you do this correctly, where you taper, you really find out where it's hiding because most of us don't know. Then you taper it down. Then you transition into being a fat burner. And then you go back and you re-challenge yourself. And what you find is that when you get your, your taste buds back and you appreciate savory and spicy and sour, that the sweet food just tastes sweet and it just tastes pretty gross, right? Right. And then when you realize how you feel with it too, afterwards, that's yeah. like the whole effect of like, yeah, I don't think I want to do that again. Um, no, that's such an important point, Lisa, is, is when you connect the dots between what you're eating and how you're feeling and what you weigh, then you can be intelligent about your decision. But so many of us don't realize that that afternoon crash was what we did at lunch, mm-hmm. you know, and we ate that crappy lunch because of what we ate at breakfast. And we have that second meal phenomenon where we'd already messed up our blood sugar and it just sets you up for the day. Right. Absolutely. And so often now we're talking about, or we keep hearing that sugar is actually a drug, right? And I know we talked a little bit about this earlier, but um, like, can you feed a little bit more information to our, because so much, you had mentioned it also, we're talking about sugar and dementia now as well, talking about type three diabetes. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the role of sugar and the brain and that drug aspect with it. You know, it's, I, I, this is a great way to display it. <clears throat> my kids were in uh, elementary school and I think my older son was maybe in first grade and I got a phone call and it was, the phone call was come pick up your son. <laughs> and I go, okay. What's going on? And I go, he's trying to climb the walls literally. And I go, why, what happened? They go, well, he ate a bag of M&Ms. And I go, well, where did he get the bag of M&Ms? Well, he won the Christmas wrapping paper sales contest. So he won a pound bag of M&Ms. I go, you gave my son a pound bag of M&Ms. You gave a six-year-old a pound bag of M&Ms. And what did you think would happen? <laughs> you get him. He's yours. I'm not getting him. You know, but that's a, that's a very bad display of what happens when you do this is you get, you know, that big anxious rush of energy and then that big crash and burn. If you look at sugar and you start to look at all the major diseases, it either plays a starring role, you know, or it definitely aids it along. I mean, look at sugar and all of the cancers, right? You know, and especially fructose, which we tend to think, oh, fructose, it's from fruit. Well, it's very different if you're eating that apple than if you've pulled the, you know, apple juice concentrate out, which by the way, you can put on the label of a food and put no sugar added and use apple juice concentrate, which is more fructose than high fructose corn syrup, which is just criminal because here's moms trying to do well by their kids, buying the thing that says no sugar added and it's loaded with fructose. And then we're wondering why our kids have fatty liver, right? Right. I mean, that to me is one of the scariest ones, but they did this study with, um, 
rats and they were looking at rats. They fed rats Oreo cookies and it lit up the pleasure center in their brain. And then they gave them morphine and it lit up the same pleasure center in their brain. Remember this study? And then they gave them the choice and they got the Oreo cookies. I mean, hello, like you, you just chose between two drugs, which one was more powerful, the morphine, you know, like you want the opiate or you want the cookie. They're the same. (laughs) And I think it's just people becoming more aware of that. And I feel as if at least now there's that shift that's happening because people for so long just thought it was just, they grew up with it. It was fine. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We need to call it a drug. I'm glad you're saying that over and over again, because you know, moms need to hear that, that it is a drug. I know when my kids were little, I'd go to these little school parties and they would have, it would just be like a a drug fest. Mm -hmm. It would be punch, you know, and fruit roll ups and just all this garbage. And they'd wonder why the kids are like out of control and, you know, hitting each other. (laughs) Climbing the walls and screaming and everything. Exactly. That's part of it. Um, So, is it obviously I know the answer to this, but it really is possible for people to get rid of their sweet tooth huh? or their sweet teeth. <laughs> so it, I was on this really weird show called Freaky Eaters for a couple of seasons. And we did ge- genetic testing on everyone because, you know, genetically you have two things. You can have a sweet tooth and you can be a sweet taster. And that means the more sweet you eat, the more sweet you want. You know, sweet tooth people will naturally seek out sweet. Um, the sweet taster will want more and more and more, almost like a drug addict. But I believe that's in all of us. And I really think exposure equals preference. I think that we have a sweet tooth for a couple of different reasons. And I think genetics are the least of it. I think it's uh, training, mm-hmm. right? And stress, because stress lowers serotonin, which is then going to make you want to grab those, grab those carbs, grab that sugar for a quick hit. So that's going to be a big one for you. Um, And I think that we can shift this pretty quickly. I think one of the other ones is poor eating. We're not getting the protein and the fat and the fiber we need. We're eating a too high of a carbohydrate, low fiber processed food diet, and it's just keeping you wanting more and more and more. So yes, that was what I set out to prove with the sugar impact diet. I had um, 700 people go through the trial. And it was interesting because I took the hardest people. So I took the people who did the virgin diet, but couldn't get through it because they couldn't get rid of the sugar. So I did not make it this easy. I wanted the people that were self-proclaimed sugar addicts who just felt like they could never get rid of their sweet tooth. And I found that in a matter of weeks, sweet food just tasted gross. And it was, you know, that was one of the biggest things people talked about. They lost inches on their waist, which is what I wanted to see because that's the barometer, right, of being a fat burner, and sweet foods tasted gross. And that meant that they had freedom, right? They weren't white knuckling it. I love it. I love it. So where can they find more information? I know you have this podcast. So share with them exactly where they can find all of your information. Oh my gosh. So the easiest is to go to jjvirgin.com and that's where you can get the links to my podcast and all the social sites. I do a lot of stuff live on Facebook and Instagram, super fun. And we've got a blog and loads of recipes and books and all that. So we put a lot out all the time. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate everything that you're doing and just helping to shift healthcare and shift the health of our nation and everybody around, I guess the world even just because everybody needs this message now. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah. I appreciate all of your time today.
All content provided by Dr. Lisa Olszewski and her guests in her programs, including this podcast, her website, summits, and other platforms, is for educational and informational purposes only. Always seek the advice of your physician or another qualified health provider before you make any changes to your health routine, especially related to this content. Ask your physician questions about medical conditions. No statement has been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration, and products mentioned or discussed in these programs are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. I hear it all the time. How do I get my kids to eat fruits and vegetables? How can I get them to take a multivitamin? Or even for our adults, I hate fruits and vegetables. How do I incorporate some of the great benefits of this? This is why I created the Nourish Super Greens and Super Reds. You are going to love them. They are all organic. You have organic green blend and an organic red antioxidant blend. But what else I love about this... I brought in immune support as well. So we have such amazing superfoods, all of the different mushrooms that are in there, along with digestive enzymes. And you can just mix it into your smoothie. You can mix it into some water, but it tastes good. There are no added sugars. You're going to love it. So just click the link below or go to drlisao.com and click the shop button.